We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Hey guys, Andrew Claudio here with yet again a quick programming note. The episode you're about to hear is part one of three of our very special second edition of Cap or No Cap. This is the episode all about trading Julius Randle and the options Knicks will have and what his value is and what should be considered a fair trade or a good trade and what most importantly would be a bad trade. Uh, in this part, you get the banter about the week that was. You also get uh, some reactions to uh, RJ Barrett's interview on JJ Reddick's pod, The Old Man in the Three, um, as well as some playoff thoughts. And then Jeremy goes into cap or no cap and lays the groundwork for the episodes that you're about to hear. Part two and three are available at the exact same time. But if you're hearing this, just set those in your queue and you should be okay. Thank you for listening. As always, everybody, I hope you're enjoying the off season. Without further ado, here's part one of our cap or no cap 2.0 trading Julius Randall. Knicks fans, how you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Next Film School podcast. Feeling good, feeling refreshed, feeling revitalized. Couple weeks into the offseason, we're further distanced from this year that was uh, filled with many a trial and tribulation. Um, and we continue to set our sights on uh, the things that will be coming down the pike. Uh, we'll be getting in, into that in a bit. Uh, we also have some little bit of news to discuss. Uh, but first, I will, as I always do, introduce my wonderful co-host, Jeremy Cohen. Hello, Jeremy. Hello, John. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, I, uh, I had a nice, I had a nice weekend. I had a nice week off. Um, we've been taking, you know, take a little time. I, as I said, I think I shared this on the pod last week. 
Went down to Baltimore, had some crabs, had some crab cakes, saw some fish. Went to the ocean. Tank. What? Went to the ocean. Went to the ocean. That's how the uh, yeah. That's a Baltimore accent. Ocean. I I would not even attempt to try that. That's okay. I did it for us. We're good. <laughs> it was very good. Thank you. Um, yeah. So that was so that was cool. Um, shout out to the folks at uh, LP Steamers, make the best crabs in Baltimore. Um, so yeah, that was uh, that was fun and. You know, it's been uh, and now we're here for another episode and I feel like we're we're in the midst of that quiet portion of the offseason for not only the Knicks, but for all the teams that didn't make the playoffs. And I feel like the news cycle is going to get started in earnest, maybe after the first round of the playoffs, after like eight teams get eliminated and you get that many people into the, you know, into the pot who are going to be perhaps feeling a little antsy about their situation, expected to go further, expected to do better, um, you know, and all that stuff. So it's been a little quiet, um, which I'm, I'm fine with, but uh, we did get a little bit of something, which was RJ Barrett when we're on a podcast, not this podcast, unfortunately, went on a podcast with his Duke buddy, JJ Reddick. And he said a lot of things. Um, did you listen to this podcast, Jeremy? I did, John. I did. It was a very good podcast. I really enjoyed it. It was insightful. And there's some great things that I learned about just that as an average person wouldn't necessarily know without that type of um, kind of peeling back the curtain. So it was nice to get that perspective from RJ. Um, I will come out and say that I got the Cliff Notes version of the interview. I did not sit and listen to the whole thing, but I got what I needed to get out of it, which and I agree with you. It's um, the 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 bites that I, that I heard and the things that I read about that he said, um, nothing bad, right. Was there anything that anybody said was like, this is concerning from this. Cause I didn't catch that if there, if there was, well, uh, he did mention that there was this podcaster and, and content producer oh, creator named Jonathan Macri, who had eat, like, he's eating a, a live crow at some point because of the doubts that he had. And it was weird. I don't know. But other than that, it was pretty run of the mill. I can't and- find the crow. Yeah, well, we'll have to order you. Maybe the crow flew away. Maybe, maybe it did. Uh, maybe, maybe it went you, back to RJ. Maybe you finished eating it. Now we need to send you a new one. I'll never be From finished eating the crow. Yeah. I, I will never be finished eating the crow. <laughs> um, no, so like, listen, you actually listened to things, so I'll, I'll let you tee off this one. Of, of all the stuff that he said, he talked about DeMar DeRozan, he obviously talked about Tibbs, um, he talked about a lot about Duke, predictably, because this was with J.J. Redick, another another Duke alum, um, and he mentioned his extension a little bit. Out of everything he said, what would you say was, I don't know, your biggest takeaway, your favorite thing that he said, whatever, whatever you want to go with it? I'd say it was nice to get an understanding of where he needs to go after facing the Hawks last year. And I think that that's something that kind of gets swept under the rug in that it's fine to be bad, right? If you want to try to be bad and play the lottery odds, that's one way to do it. But there is also something to be said of getting playoff experience and then growing from that. And I think as he described it, where often he would go to the basket. So the Hawks would try to get Capella onto him and RJ recognizing the need for more of a pull-up game because he can go under a lot and and Mm. just how can he pull up and learn? And that's where he talked about as well with DeMar DeRozan, where he wanted to maybe work with him because his footwork is so impeccable and even said to DeMar during a game, I'd love to work with you in the off season because your footwork's crazy. Kind of just learning about all of that. And then how it applies long-term. And then when you see these younger teams, like as I've been watching Grizzlies and Timberwolves, it's yeah. very clear how 
young and inexperienced both teams are and how this can actually pay off down the line for both franchises. But that to me, the ability to not just play meaningless games at the end of the season to actually fight for something, get a, some exposure to what it's like, and then see how you can improve from there. I really loved that. I, you know, it's interesting because we, we, uh, as we tend to doing this podcast every week, we tend to focus so much on the, on the micro uh, of it all as it's happening. And like, you know, we, we focused a lot on RJ's kind of explosion as he took on much more of a high usage role starting on New Year's Eve and moving forward to the end of the season. But like, if you look at his three years in New York in total, like obviously not perfect, but if you were to kind of map out from a purely from a development perspective, a three-year stretch where it's like, okay, came in to arguably the worst situation imaginable, had a really tough time of it, and then things eased up in year two, got that playoff experience as a clear number two, and number three kind of guy because Rose was here too. Um, you know, but he was an off-ball guy. And then into number year number three, no playoff experience, but the team fought. And the team were, was playing for something like it wasn't like the uh, I'm trying to think of the seasons to compare it to it wasn't like 18, 19 or, or 19, 20 any, or any of those seasons where it was like it, they were out of it, you know, early on. Like they were they fought and they believed they could still get into the play into the very end. And RJ takes on this big usage role. I, I think after three years, like I'm happy with where the development curve has, has gone as far as the track that he's been on and what he's done with it. I would agree with that. And I think a big factor will be the efficiency, mostly because it seems like that's where a lot of people who maybe detract from what RJ Barrett has done, sink their teeth into. And it's, it is fair to a certain extent. Sure. I mean, it's something he absolutely needs to work on, but it also feels like, you know, there's certain players where their inefficiency is, a mere blemish and we're a player like RJ Barrett, where it feels like it's everything. And he's just this ridiculous scorer, and uh, that's it. But he doesn't care about the quality of shots or how he's able yeah. to do it and all these things. So completely agree. It's frustrating. It is what it is. He's going to work on it. I like the fact that he's going to work on the pull-up game. That's something that the Knicks clearly like in players, uh, especially one through three uh, who pull up. So that's going to be a very fascinating development. But the last thing he also mentioned was about an extension. It was kind of this like joking response with JJ Redick because the question was asked, are you going to resign? And talking about how it's been so long since uh, Nick has you know, re-signed off their rookie contract. The last one being Charlie Ward in 1999. Uh, of course, you could you could make an argument that Mitchell Robinson is up for that first, but he wasn't a first round pick. So yeah. even still, if you want to like narrow it down, the first first round pick to re-sign with the Knicks hasn't been since the 20th century. That's pretty sad and pathetic. But RJ was laughing about it, and basically, he wants to be here long term. That was the implicit understanding. And when you also hear about how, again, this is the only place that he worked out for. He loves the Knicks through his grandfather who said, according to RJ, that, uh, you know, RJ, you're going to be a Nick one day, all those things. So, and I'm sure just being in New York, being the guy, that's a pretty cool thing to be. So I would imagine that the Knicks would probably like to get something signed, sealed and delivered, whether it's a Max contract uh, in the form of five years, whether it is something less in terms of years and in terms of uh, finances, 
because of course, if you if he signs a five year deal, it would just have to be the max. It can't be like five years and short of the max at, at this point, this off season, um, specifically by the deadline in October. But we'll see. It just it seemed like this kind of like yeah, I'd like to be here too, and hopefully they can find some common ground. Um, I'm not sure if you heard. I pitched my my prediction to to Fred Katz last week that it, they would wind up at five for 150. What did you think of that? Um. Well, the thing is, it would wouldn't it have to be the following off season where they do that five for one fifty? He because can accept for five years. Explain. My understanding is that for five years, um, it would have to be like you know at the stroke of midnight on the the second day of free agency. That's when they're like, we got those tweets about Trey Young and like, yeah, and SGA, but like midnight. It started at six p.m. on the first day, and then six hours later, that's when they could. Uh, officially signed. So for RJ, it's like it's either the five year max or waiting a bit. So they could give him a five year deal, it just have to be the max, unless they wait until the summer of 2023, in which case it's um, a different story. But then there's that gap of where like RJ is not tradable, not that they would look into doing it. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe they ultimately decide on maybe it's a four year deal and it's like the same amount financially that you're saying, but just one year shorter. Yeah. Maybe it's it is the full five year max. I really don't know where it falls. And um, again, as I've said, I would give RJ the max, but I'm also fully. I want to be transparent here. That's much more of the heart talking probably than the head, uh, which is often something I, I try not to do as much. But I just I believe in the talent. I believe in the amount of you know building around him, even if he's not going to be like the guy. Just having him be there and and showing a commitment. Hopefully, it's less. You know, I'd love for all of these star players to sign for less, and then you could just keep adding them. But um, regardless, it would be great to just see him remain in uniform, and, and that's that. It's an interesting. It's an interesting point you make in terms of if it's at five years, it has to be the full max. Um, I guess in that case, I would skew more towards the Jaron Jackson Jr. contract, which was uh, well a little bit higher than that actually, because that It'd was be what, four, that was four for one hundred five, right? Yes, and I mean. I don't know if this is the biggest factor, but Jaron Jackson Jr. is having such a bad playoff series that like, I'm not using that as an indictment against uh, Jaron Jackson per se, but it's also the thought of like, how do you value bigs? How do you value wings? Yeah, like, I'm, I'm just talking about it in terms of a comp for money. I think that would be something that I would probably. I think that the Jalen Brown one is closer, honestly. Yeah, the brown, the brown four at the program, time it was whatever it was, it was. Yeah, it was four for I think it was four for one fifteen. Maybe I'm a little high on that with some bonuses um, included. Yeah. yeah, with the bonuses and if you factor in the escalating cap, you know, I point is I think I think if you I think if you got him to thirty million dollars a year, even if it was thirty million dollars a year with like it would take the maximum incentives to get to that thirty million dollars a year. I think that's a nice round number that he would probably go for. Um, but who knows? We'll see. Well, for, um, for context, just really quickly, the 30 and a half is what the RFA's max is this year. So increasing it, it'd probably be like, I don't know, 32, maybe 33 when you consider whatever the following year's salary cap is. Yeah. It's not that far off from the max. So no. it's it's kind of that one of those like it's close, but not the full thing. So maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Um, we'll we'll see. I look as far as the interview goes, and then we'll move on. I, I like the fact that he did it. Um, I like the fact that he's 21 and he's cool with going on a podcast like this and just having a wide ranging conversation over the course of an hour about 
anything and everything like Julius did this a year ago and he did it coming off of a year that was great for him. Um, and it shows that RJ, I think is in a good place with himself, with the organization, with everything, um, which is good because one of the fears that I know I've had at times this season is that the way this year went, it took a lot of the good vibes from the, from the big 15 season and it flushed them down the toilet. And while I think some of the good stuff went away, obviously the good stuff involving uh, Julius Randall in particular, and to a certain extent, I think involving Tom Thibodeau and the relationship between him and the front office, um, there is still a lot of good vibes here and it's the good vibes at the place where you want it to be, which I think is with the young players and RJ is obviously first and foremost among that. So, um, good job by him going on and doing this. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's really, it. I, I know we have another cap or no cap coming up, but before we get to it, anything else that we should, anything else from like the playoffs that you wanted to like mention or talk about or anything? Yes. But I'm trying to also figure out how not to step on the toes of a future cap or no cap. So I'm going to okay. say yes, but I'm going to save it for later. Okay. Um, I know that's uh, a bit of a teaser. No, I think I think it's I think it's fine. Uh, I I'm just trying to think if there's anything that I. So it's we're recording this on Sunday, April 24th, 7:30 p.m. Um, the net series has not ended yet officially, right? They still have another game that they could play. Uh, that- it has not officially ended. No, it has not officially ended. So they are. Still- no. So maybe I should save this joke for, for at, at some, some point in the, in the future. I'll save it. Well, no, 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 no. Now you have to say well, it depends on. if, if it would impinge upon like another, like if it come if it's a sweep joke or anything of the sort, don't say it. No, it's not. I, I just want to congratulate them on on that playoff series that they won last year. That's I mean, that's a great accomplishment after three years of, of KD and Kyrie. That's a really nice job by them. And, and they should be uh, really proud. They should be really proud of that. They should. And here's a fun fact. If you look at the first three years, assuming, of course, that the Nets don't overcome a three nothing lead for the first time in NBA history, which I got to be honest, is someone who is admittedly rooting against the Celtics more than rooting against the Nets. This series uh, would be equally as hilarious for you know, the shot in Florida, but assuming that's not the case, the Knicks in the Carmelo Anthony era will have won the same amount of playoff series in the first three years as the Nets will have in the first three years of the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving era, yeah. which, um, I don't know. That's, that's pretty funny to me at least, but it's I'm mildly not, amusing. Not petty at all. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about what's happened to Brooklyn is funny. And it's only backed by the fact that I predicted it on the Patreon pod. Very nice. Yeah. 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 This is, I could, I, I may be able to take a few victory laps on a couple things. My belief in the Nets as someone, as a team that could do damage. Oh boy. Well, Talk so about stinkers. The thing that I think we disagreed the most on is just that, like, I just didn't see a world where you can throw a team together a few weeks before the playoffs and they can, march their way through it you know i yeah. i believe in this i actually do believe in this roster with a full off season where you know ben simmons is on the team when you know joe harris is coming back yeah. you know like you know kyrie's gonna play every game which is why next year is the 66 win year that i yeah. like next year is where the odds the we're gonna throw a team together to beat the best offensive team we've seen in years you know 
I, I just I think Dude. Brooklyn is kind of unstoppable right now, which you know we'll you see what Boston happens. Is Boston is kind of what I say, yeah, yeah Boston, uh, yeah, but that's in the worst, Jeremy. I know you've experienced this. The two Bs, I've gotten yeah. it wrong every time I've referenced this series in conversation. Mm-hmm. I I just want to be clear. I, I bring it up uh, one because it's fun, um, and two, uh, I can give a flying fuck about the Nets, but um, I am nothing if not someone who is going to leave, leave no stone unturned for a possible Julius Randle trade this offseason. And something I am already something I'm already having my eye on in light of Woj's tweet about an hour or two ago saying that the Nets were surprised and disappointed. Disappointed. So tough to be disappointed in your player that you just traded for that Ben Simmons is going to be suiting up for game four. Um I don't know. Maybe they're already tired of the Ben Simmons experience. I don't want Ben Simmons, but I'm I'm already thinking about like maybe a three team deal. Where uh, Mr. Mr. Julius can end up in Brooklyn, Ben could go somewhere else, and maybe we could end up with a nice little, nice little player. Jeremy, is this the perfect transition into this week's cap or no cap? Uh, I, I'm honestly too stunned at the just the scenario, but yes, this is the perfect. Yeah, I, I'll be honest, John. Love the creativity. The Knicks and Nets are not making a trade this summer. <laughs> so probably not. Yeah, probably wasted, not. It's wasted brain power, unfortunately. Okay. Listen, admittedly, no, like no stone unturned to I, get exactly. this man off my admittedly, basketball team. Admittedly, well done with the creativity. I just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's like, can the can can the Yankees and Mets fix their own problems? But no, they're never going to make a trade. That was the David didn't David Dush Justice, right? Again, no significant trade. Yes, David Justice for first of all, two thousand one. Second of all, David Justice for Robin Ventura. That's who it was, Robin Ventura. Yeah, it doesn't compete here. Unfortunately, well, they, they made a trade recently. The two teams, not too long ago. Did they trade? Oh, uh, Castro for. But those are two like seven no, relievers. Even before then, there was a trade in the last few years. Okay. But you're, you're, there you're wasn't. Talking, uh, there wasn't. My point is the Julius Randle yes. of the Mets was traded for. No, the Mets I, I, I understand. It's yeah, low hanging. Like, Steven Ground for Cole didn't have the Red yeah. Sox or Yankees that type of move. Exactly. Like, yes. What's up, Knicks fans? Have you heard about Prize Picks? It's daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know you will too. Prize Picks is the best NBA DFS prop game on the market, offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator, and offers all the superstar players as well as the bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. All users that deposit and use promo code FILMSCHOOL will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. I made an account and I can't believe how easy it is to make my picks. You choose two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Go to prizepix.com and use promo code FILMSCHOOL or go to the App Store and download the app today. PrizePix, it's daily fantasy made easy. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. 
Twice a week, J.J. Reddick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as J.J. does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So, today's conversation, obviously, uh, I didn't actually mean to wear the Patreon shirt that we had. It was truly subconscious, but um, it uh, nevertheless, it, it's got Julius Randle, and it has him as Julius Caesar. Um, again, like, it's it, this was inspired because of an incredible season that Julius Randle had in the 2020-2021 year, and it's just still so frustrating that we went to we were at that place and now we're here and this idea that like i'm trying to figure out i still can't quite figure out exactly where it started maybe it was that julius Uh randall got paid and he decided like cool i'm no longer in a contract year i feel comfortable i don't have to do anything that's you don't believe that and neither do i no maybe it has something to do with the crowd you know Shouting, we want Obi, which is code for we don't want Julius because we know that they weren't going to play together. Maybe it was something behind the scenes. Maybe it was something that we just don't know about and we'll never know about. 
it's more just like I get so frustrated by it because he could have had everything. Really, he could have had everything. We so we're so desperate as Nick. You were the chosen one, right? And and what does he do? He just, as Clyde would say, lackadaisical effort. Um, missing shots that obviously he was incredible at hitting not being a player using his strengths that maybe on paper he has, but he doesn't want to do because he doesn't want to be boxed into that type of player. So, you know, it's, it's frustrating, but, um, we're, we're going to talk about redacted, right? Isn't that that how we're going by it's redacted of all the things that I'm going to leave behind, leave behind in this world. When I depart it redacted is amongst the, top of the list it's fair yeah well you know figured that would be the best way to to put it for julius so um john do you have any words before we get started i know you're a very large julius randall fan so maybe you have some pushback (laughs) on anything that i've said no i I, um it is said what i'm what i'm more what i've started to think more and more about is you know, there is still a world where this is still a very useful basketball player. And I, I, I just, I can't escape the, like remembering what he was before he came to New York as a guy who played a very particular type of way in very particular types of lineups. And I wonder whether some team will, will see, will remember that. And they will almost like, it's not, it, it won't be for them about trading for the guy that finished, you know, whatever eighth and MVP voting a year ago, but it'll be about trading for like the battering Ram who like just lived at the rim, you know, in the last year in LA and like the, the year he was in new Orleans and was like pretty good at that. And now has maybe added a couple other tools to his game, you know, and is, and is paid not, not a ton of money. Um, as you have pointed out more than anyone, um, correctly. So, so that's more what I've been thinking, but in, t- in terms of like the sentiment of where, you know, it going wrong, like, yes, redacted indeed. Very fair. So before we actually start, I want to bring up three key points, corrections from our last podcast, uh, that I feel are important for me to bring up. Okay. Uh, the first is, this is from Adam, uh, at the fiend machine underscore on Twitter. Adam correctly reminding me that it's actually the 11th and the 42nd picks in the draft that the Knicks have, not the 11th and the 41st picks. So thank you, Adam. Uh, big difference. I know big difference. one pick could be the deciding factor between, you know, I mean, hey, Nikola Jokic, didn't he go 41st overall? Sure. Who went 42nd overall in that draft? We don't know. Exactly. Uh, then the next one is, um, I actually have to go. Okay. So it's at Intero Bang Bros. That is the name. Uh, giving me a fantastic reminder. I can't believe I did this in the last podcast, John, I completely forgot in the Hornets payroll that LaMelo ball existed. I don't know how it It just happens to the best of us. It does, but it actually also further proves my point where if you added another $10 million to the Hornets and their payroll, they'd be deeper into the luxury tax, which is also why I still think the Gordon Hayward trade makes even more sense, more money to add. A lot of people really like that trade, by the way, Jeremy. They did, which gave me the worry that I was 
too generous from the Knicks perspective because, you know, like maybe that pick is too tantalizing, but Hey, the Hornets still have the 13th pick overall. So I mean, like is Hayward good enough where the Hornets balk at the idea of attaching a first round pick? I don't really know, but yes, I was very flattered that it caught wind with a lot of people. And I really appreciate that. And then the third thing was, as uh, you and I discussed off air, Julius Randall's cap hit is going to be different than previously anticipated. So it's not the, 26 plus million dollar cap hit for the Knicks because his likely bonuses didn't hit so, this year. It's actually going to be close to like 23.8. So I, I spent a lot of time on that one this week because I wrote something earlier in the week and I'm, I'm going to be doing lots. If, if you're interested in fake Julius Randall trades, don't only listen to this podcast. Come, come check out the Knicks film school newsletter. Got another, another banger coming up on, uh, on, on Monday. Um, so let's see if, uh, let me say this. And then if I get something wrong, correct me. The escalators in his contract, the bonuses, the, the the incentives in his contract, they're basically split 50-50. One is purely a player player performance-based incentive that has to do with winning, I forget what it is, MVP, all NBA, all all things that Julius Randle did not do this year. And thus, those unequivocally go from um likely bonuses to unlikely bonuses, meaning they don't factor into his cap number. So Knicks don't have to worry about that. His outgoing salary, a team doesn't have to worry about his incoming salary. That doesn't change. The thing that we were going back and forth about is the other half, the other 50% of his bonus structure, which is worth about one was 1.18 million. Um, and it says that if he plays over 65 games and he makes the playoffs, uh, he gets another $1.18 million. Now, the Knicks uh, did not make the playoffs this year. He played over 65 games. So for the Knicks purposes, as best as I could read the CBA, at least, uh, that is now an unlikely bonus for them. So when his when when the new league year hits and his number goes on the cap sheet for them, it is going to go down as whatever number you just said, 23 point, I think, seven, six million. Yep. Um, if he, though, is traded to a team that made the playoffs last year, because that team made the playoffs last year, it is no longer unlikely. It becomes a likely bonus because, as I understand it, he played the 65 games and he's now on a team that made the playoffs. So his outgoing salary would actually be more than his, sorry, his incoming salary would be more than his outgoing salary. And we haven't even gotten to the trade bonus part of it, which is another another complicating factor. But look, look, we'll save that for a sec. What, anything I missed or was wrong on? I, honestly, it's it's something that I'm not the most clear on. Uh, like, for example, the as we'll go into later, the trade bonus is not something where you can just duck it as soon as like if you trade him before free agency starts. No, it's not. And thanks, and thanks to Bobby Marks. He, yeah. So he wrote a piece for ESPN.com last week, the whole Knicks offseason thing like that trade bonus is that's coming down the pike. And there's only one man who can get rid of the trade bonus. His name is redacted. If Julius Randle says, I don't care about the. Uh, oh, uh, what is it? 11, 11 million dollars. It's coming. Eleven point five million dollars is coming my way. Uh, keep it, New York. It's all good. Everything's copacetic here. Unless he says that, uh, he's getting that money, and um, there's nothing that the Knicks could could do about it at all. Yes. The one thing to consider, though, if you're thinking like, "Oh my God, of course he's going to take the money." We have seen in the past players players have yes. renounced their trade yep. bonuses so they can facilitate a deal. Yeah. So. You know, like if that's the case, then great. If the Knicks have to pay it, it's not exactly going to count against the cap because he's already gone. So, well, the, so I mean, the, again, the, uh, this is based on my reading of it. The Knicks pay it 
but it counts. At least this is the way Bobby Marks made it sound. And again, I, I don't know that I re- read the CBA the way he did, but I trust Bobby Marks over myself. It counts yeah. against the cap of the team that's acquiring him. Right. Yeah. So which wouldn't but, be the Knicks, which would not, exactly, which would not be. The, so this is a very long winded way of saying if, if Julius Randle gets traded to a playoff team this summer and he does not want to waive his trade bonus, his incoming salary for them is going to be about $5 million more for next season than it, than it is, than the outgoing salary will be for the Knicks. It's the long and the short of it. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll get into why this, if you're like, we will. why are you wasting my fucking time with this? We will. It, 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 trust me, this stuff, it, it matters when you're trying to come up with trades. So what's the agenda for this year? This off season, at least right. Upgrade the roster. Duh. I mean, of course we, we want to see the Knicks upgrade the roster, but ideally, at least from our perspective, and we'll get into those who might, uh, differ. It's with Julius Randle going out. And um, the biggest factor, I think, has now become the presence of Obi Toppin. It used to be, oh, well, you know, like, hey, Julius Randle, he's, he's just not going well here. We should consider the idea of trading him. And now it's much more, no, the guy who's waiting in the wings, the backup quarterback, he's kind of ready to be the starting quarterback, just given some of the things we've seen. And of course, at the end of the season, there can be a mirage, right? This what we saw with Obi Toppin at the end did not feel like a mirage. No, nope. felt like unearthing nope. something that is worth investing in, because of the fact that Julius Randle and Obi Toppin are not going to be playing together, at least not based on the current way that Tom Thibodeau operates. It only makes sense that you move one and give the other the time. And now moving Obi Toppin, you could do that, and you could keep Julius Randle. But then it's also but also light yourself on fire, (laughs) right? It's okay. Well, you're what what timeline are you concentrating more in? Yeah. Again, the Knicks could go any which way. They they could be talking out of both sides of their mouth when they say young core and at the same time trade away young players. Maybe it's hope, but I'd like to believe that they they recognize that the timeline is more of the younger players, not Julius Randle as he enters his age twenty eight season, which mind you isn't like old. It's just focusing on the timeline of which player you might want to more better focus on. And, and just to, to be really put a point on it, cause it's, it, 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 I, I need to, I feel like we need to re-inject this into every segment of this conversation. None of these considerations are, are things that are in a vacuum. The, what they can get for Julius Randall has a lot to do with which of these two, which uh, you're at the fork in the road, which one you, you pick. So, it, you know, it's not, Unfortunately, it isn't just about Obi's awesome. We want to see more Obi. Like the, Julius factors into into that part of the conversation as well. Yes, it does. And now, if no stars move this summer, then the Knicks will probably shift their focus. Twenty twenty three. See who might crop up there. Uh, and it's kind of like, well, if Randall has to go right now, then the Knicks should look for a money substitute. So that that way, if they do want to focus on twenty twenty three, they have the salary ready to go, or at least more salary they can use. And that way, by doing it, they can sort of spread out their investments of of different contracts, right? So it's not like you have to trade this guy or that guy because those are the only couple contracts you have that that are salary filler. It's we have an assortment of players, teams can choose how they want, and then we can kind of proceed from there. Yeah. So the Julius Randle extension, why? <laughs> right? Well, I'm sure there are fans who are thinking like, why did the Knicks agree to this? Well, 
Julius, again, had an incredible 2021, 2020, 2021 season when you finish as a second all NBA player, even if it's the, you know, different from the work of the body of work that you've seen before, that is someone you want to invest in. It just is. Um, It's the sort of thing where we can look back and say, oh, was that the right decision? Would I do it again? I would. I honestly would. It. It, call it stubbornness. They had I really to don't do think it. it is. It's like you want to be in a position where you're locking into a player. And yes, are you losing cap space by doing that? hundred percent. We could be talking about the fact that by way, renouncing Julius Randall's cap hold, um, the Knicks have money to spend, but at the same time, by extending Julius, they gained valuable team control. Why is that important? Because they also avoid the sign and trade. If you watched our cap or no cap last week, you would know that one of the three ways that team gets hard capped is by facilitating a sign and trade. If a free agent is signed and traded to a team, that team becomes hard capped. Now, if the Knicks wanted to engage in a trade using Julius Randle, the team that would be acquiring Randle isn't going to be hard capped, at least certainly not by acquiring Randle in this way because he's already under contract. And that is something that's very crucial for teams that are like very close to the tax apron, which is again, above the luxury tax, which you cannot go past if you are hard capped. So, this is the philosophy that Brock Aller used in Cleveland. They did it with Larry Nance. They did it with Jordan Clarkson. Um, they care more about. They did it with Kevin Love. On, they did yeah. focusing on team control versus letting a guy test the market, having this gap in between when you can trade them and when you can't. And um, I honestly think it is the right approach, but it, I understand with, with everything that happened with Julius, no. why others may feel they should not have done this. But let's like, <laughs> The second he was willing to take that extension, they had like there was no world where they were not going to give it to him. Um, we could quibble about, and I, I actually think the front office has probably not gotten enough criticism for certain things. Like the Kemba thing, obviously, is biggest one. I saw Benji tweeted today, like, what what a world it would have been if, if instead of Kemba Walker, they they went out and signed Alex Caruso. I know he had injury issues this year, but like, um, how different would this Nick team have operated? And and we're sitting here talking about Julius. Julius, and this is another thing that other teams are going to have to consider, how much of Julius' struggles this season emerged originally from the fact that he tried to accommodate playing with a more ball-dominant point guard, not to mention Evan Fournier, who's also a guy that likes to have the ball in his hands. You know, so they deserve blame for some other stuff. Not for this, as far as I'm concerned, at least. I would agree with that. So what's Randall's value? Well, I mean, currently it's low. How could it? I got, I got an empty beer can right here. <laughs> well, not too dissimilar. I mean, it's the it's the what the glass of beer is half empty in this case, or fully empty. It's yeah, it's about to be empty. Yeah, right. Like you could not have had a worse season in a lot of ways than. Well, I guess that's kind of. It was a bad season. That's I'll put it that way. It was a very well, unfortunate season, and it felt like at times it could have been easily assuaged, and it just wasn't. Like. It just didn't get to that point. It wasn't even the the on-court stuff, although it certainly didn't help. It was a lot of the effort. It was the fact that it seemed like his teammates were frequently rubbed the wrong way or tired of having to almost calm him down. I, like Obviously, it's the stuff on the court, but then it's the, the lackadaisical defense. So much of, of what the Julius Randle experience was, it was just the antithesis of the year before. And for Julius, it often felt like when he hits the shots, the rest of his game feels good. But when he doesn't hit a shot, everything falls to pieces. Can, can we stay on that for one sec? Sure. Just because it, it just because you said it and it just jogged my my thinking. 
on a team like the Knicks, where he has the role that he he did and still does until further notice, like if he's not hitting shots on a night, it's not like they're going away from him. One, because that's kind of how their offense was designed. And two, much more importantly, he was the he is the guy. He was the guy. He is the guy. He's going to get his shots every night. And I feel like on another team, if it's not his night, like where if there's a guy or two guys in a perfect world, be two guys better than him, higher than him on the totem pole, that might be a little differently. And then on the flip side of that coin. And I'm just thinking about the stars, the, the final star standings for the year for the newsletter. Like Julius still finished second. Like he, there were a lot of games he had that were really quite good. And then there were a lot of games he had where it was just like, please get this guy out of the arena. But if you're, again, if you're another team and you're looking at this, it's like, it's not like he still didn't have nights this year where he was a really good player. It's just a, a, the ability to manage him on the nights where he's not, as good and and just him as a personality. Exactly. And that's why it's so tricky because from person to person, they may have a different viewpoint. And that's why it is the eye of the beholder where there are the nights where he does great things and you want to rely on that. And you think, well, maybe the Knicks can still hang on to that. Maybe Julius can be that player with X, Y, and Z. And then there's the other factor of like, oh my God, this guy is signed for another three years plus a player option that yeah. he'll for sure take. And like, it's hard to find a middle ground, but I really do feel that you can probably take the two and it's pretty close to neutral. And like stability is a big factor. And I'm not even talking about the level of play because as you're saying, and as we're both saying, the level of play was not the stable factor. What was stable was the fact that you can count on Julius Randall to play. Now, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, well maybe you don't want that. I hear you, right? Like there were times where his play was so egregious that you didn't really even want him in the game. There's something to be said of being healthy and being productive. And if we're talking about Julius Randle, where it's like things are a little bit more finely tuned around him and he's able to play, then hopefully you're getting something. But you have to kind of try to get into that factor of like, can you convince him? And maybe you can if you're another team. I also know that Andrew Wiggins, Glenn Taylor, and he sat down, had a conversation and Glenn Taylor was like, Andrew, uh, I'm going to give you this max contract under one condition. And that's that you dedicate more of yourself to this and become a more complete player. And Andrew Wiggins said, yeah, that sounds great. I will absolutely do that. Takes the max contract does not become the more complete <laughs> player goes to golden state and became an all-star this year. And so, right. I know. I understand. It's not, yeah. Yes. But, but the point being that there was still another gear that he was able to, to achieve. It just had to be another place. And you would hope that that could be the case with Randall. If it's not going to be here. Sure. The next thing is, you know, there's talk of like a max contract. And I, the reason I have it in quotes is because if he stays in Nick, Julius's cap hit is going to be 19.5%. For context, a max contract for a player with uh, seven to nine years of experience where Julius Randle would fall would be 30% of the salary. So, or 30% of the salary cap. So we're talking about, you know, a whole 10.5% less than that. And, and that would change after what he, cause he's in what year right now? He's uh, at some point in this, if he stays on the Knicks on this contract, he would get to the higher range, which is 35% of the cap. Yes. My, well, let's see. He was a Laker for four years. Uh, one of those years he was injured, but still, uh, 
stole a Laker, and then he was let go because of the LeBron. So he, yeah, he, he just finished his eighth year, five, and he's been here three, so it's eight. Yeah. Yes, so that was why the thought process before, or at least last season, was like, well, what if Julius Randle wants to sign, you know, an extension that gets into the ten-year mark and then re-ups for the thirty-five percent? Unfortunately, that's not going to be the case. He's locked in, which is great, mm. but. I think something that to keep in mind, I haven't seen it floating around a lot recently, but for those of you who are out there, if you are thinking this or you know someone who's thinking this that goes around saying, oh, it's ridiculous. Julius Randall's on a max contract. Do this. If someone's saying that, ask them if they consider Terry Rozier a max player or Dorian Finney-Smith. And the <laughs> answer is going to be no. So then you can basically say, all right, so let me get this straight. Those two players signed for the max contracts they were eligible for, and they're not earning the full max, right? And they're not max players. But Julius Randle signs this contract, and he is a max player. And the answer you will get is silence, because they will have nothing to respond to that. Because Julius Randle is not a max player. He was on a contract that basically was the max that will no longer operate as a max deal moving forward. And then as, as John and I were talking about, there's the trade bonus. It's a 15% trade bonus, $11.5 million. Again, Julius Randle can always void this if he wants the trade to go through to a place, if money is an issue. Um, the way that Bobby Marks discussed it, it's $2.88 million over four years, um, starting in the season that actually just past this current season, if Randall's traded before June 30th. And then if it's after July 6th, it's actually $3.8 million over three years, starting with next season. And then, thinking about like, what about that time in between July 1st and July 5th? No, no, uh, one, could, no one can sign any contracts. No one can sign. Right. The moratorium's there. So it's basically like, there's not going to be this weird, awkward gap in between. It's just and, unlikely to happen. And again, this doesn't like, this, it just, all this does is make a deal harder because it's not like the incoming team or the team that's trading for him has to pay this money. The Knicks have to pay the money, but it still goes on their cap sheet. So I guess they do. I mean, they will care about it because that's money that they can't spend on other players, I guess. is You know, that's the annoying part. Exactly. So, like, here's the argument for keeping Randall, because there are people who do subscribe to this feeling and, and I want to hear them out. So that his value can be rehabilitated, right? Yeah. He had a bad year. A lot of things happen, whatever. Um, maybe there's a chance that he can be a better player, both to the Knicks or as a trade asset. Maybe. I also just have to wonder what the opportunity cost is with Obi Toppin, mm. the players around him. Um, you know, you could say, well, what if they bring in better talent to surround Randall with? Sure. Yes. I'm, but I also would make the argument that, <laughs> and I know there will be pushback on this, but the, Based on what the Knicks want to do with their vision, they did effectively do that, right? Like they didn't they try did. out it's literally what they did. And Reggie Bullock. And I understand Reggie Bullock's having a, a nice postseason with the, with the Mavs this, this offseason, but they wanted more pull up shooting. They wanted more offensive weapons around him. And we saw Randall shrink in a lot of ways. And so it's just like, it's hard to, it's hard for me to subscribe to the idea that like better talent will fix this problem because they did try to go in that direction. And yeah, I mean, of course it would be nice. If Alec Burks didn't see as many minutes as at the point guard position, especially with Julius get Emmanuel quickly in there, do more like throw Deuce McBride into the fire, whatever it is. But even still, like they did make, it felt like marginal upgrades because of how things were going at the point, but they still, that was the intention. And um, it, it went backwards. So that wasn't great. And then the thought process of like, well, no deal is better than a bad deal. Sure, like th there's merit to that, but at the same time, 
again, it goes back to Obi. It goes back to how the players in the locker room feel. Maybe they don't love being uh, Julius Randle's teammates anymore. And they feel like a break is for the best. Maybe Julius doesn't even want to be there. And he feels like, why am I spending more time in a place where I don't actually want to be, where other players may allegedly not want me to be? Again, I'm speculating on this, but it's kind of like, yeah, there's, there's a point in which if the offers are so bad that you don't do it, I just keep going back to, I see Julius Randle as a neutral contract. And I feel like there are ways where you can still manage to trade him and get back neutral value. If that's what you're looking for. Can I just like, uh, just a quick word on that in terms of rehabilitating value. I'm not saying that there is no such thing as rehabilitating value in the NBA. Like there is, but like if we were talking about a situation where Julius Randle was seen as an albatross, like a true albatross, kind of like Kevin Love was a, a year, year and a half ago, right? Where like nobody in the league wanted to cut to like would certainly nobody would give up something to willingly take on that contract. They would have taken on the contract that got something back. I don't I'm I've been more critical of the man than anyone. I don't think anybody thinks that that is how Randall and his contract is being looked at around the league. And I'm pretty sure you're on the same page with me on that one, Jeremy, right? I am. Okay. So like, yes, Kevin Love rehabilitated his value because he decided to start playing basketball as opposed to doing whatever imitation of like children's hissy fits he was doing on the court there for Cleveland for a while. Like that's not where we're at. So like, let's say Julius Randle comes out next season and over the first 30 games, he's hitting 45% from long two and 38, 39% from deep. Like is anyone around the league suddenly going to look at that and be like, Oh, okay. He's a top 15 player again. Let's give up what it, no, no one's going to do that. Like his value is what, as far as I'm concerned, his value is what his, what his value is. And um, I, I don't think that that's going to materially change. Agreed. And I would say one thing to kind of consider, I'm not saying this will happen, but keep your eyes peeled in the coming months on any reports about injury or something where it like it helps Julius Randall's case where it's like there is an excuse for why things went downhill. Just it, it, like nothing that's extreme, but I'm just saying like the prevailing yeah. thought of how you can try to control that narrative of why things didn't go well as a way to kind of get his value up in some way. I don't, I don't know for certain if it will happen, but I feel like we've seen a fair amount of that as time has gone on, especially with someone like Mark Berman, where if there's water that needs to be carried, the Knicks will find a way to do it. It's just a matter of if they want to go that route, maybe they don't. <laughs> 